0: This is Deadstick Radio, Episode Twenty, recorded Tuesday, December Eighth, Twenty Twenty. Give Hope Wings and Flying for Charity with Dave McElroy.
1: My story is I I had a Comanche two hundred and fifty for twenty three years mm-hmm. with a partner in in um, Toronto, Burlington, just out of Toronto. Yep. And then in two thousand, I moved over to the UK for our company we bought a we bought a company over there and so my ceo at the time asked me if i'd maybe want to think about going over there for a year or two to help with the turnaround because it was a goddamn mess Mm -hmm. and i'd recently divorced and i you know it actually was an opportunity so i said sure so i went over there for a year or two to turn this company around and stayed for 15.
2: oh yeah was it oil and gas
1: no it was norboard uh uh, uh, wood products company. So, actually, Norboard, we have we became the world's largest manufacturer of OSB, or in Strandboard. Oh, yeah, okay. And uh, while I was there, we had four plants when I got there and we in the UK,
2: yeah.
1: And we closed one of them and went from 1600 to a thousand, actually, 900 employees. And then in 2000, it was 2000, and 2004, we bought another plant. In Belgium, so we had four plants again: three in the UK and one on the continent. Yeah. So uh, I kind of ran the European division there for till 2015, and I retired. And I'd always and anyways, my partner Chris in the Comanche, I said, you know, I'd always had this dream to cross the Atlantic. Yeah. You know, if you guys have heard of Ernest K. Gone, the writer, the aviation author from years ago. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he's got some great stories about flying to Greenland and going up the wrong valley and Narsar Sarak and all that stuff. And I'd always been fascinated. Always, so it was life ambition. So now I'm living over there. So I said to Chris, I said, I want to fly in the North Atlantic. But my problem is I had a really heavy, heavy senior executive job and never took more than two weeks off for 40 years, you know. And when you're going to cross the Atlantic in a light plane and then come back, you gotta have more than two weeks because you never know what the weather is, right?
2: Yeah, you gotta wait for it.
1: So I said, Well, I'll take it over, you know, two weeks. I can plan a two-week window to take it over and I'll bring it back the next year. And he said, No, nah, no, you moved away. It's I don't want to lose the airplane. So <laughs> so after about four years, by twenty oh four, I'm just going crazy. I'm back in Toronto three or four times a year. So I flew the Comanche then, but you know, not much. And I'm going crazy over there not flying. So I bought an R V six eight. And, uh, and I flew that for eight, 10 years over there, I've put eight or 900 hours on it. And, uh, then, uh, about, I was going to retire at the end of 2013. And I thought, you know, I've got for the first time in my life, I'm going to have some time. I'm going to do that fly the North Atlantic. Right. So yep. then as I started thinking about it, and I can't comprehend having time off, like it's never been part of my life ever. Mm-hmm. And so, but I'm thinking about this and thinking about this. And so, so I'm gonna cross the North Atlantic and blah, 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 and I'm gonna finally do it. And then I get thinking, well, shit, why not just keep going? <laughs> so I ended up flying Comanche around the world in 2014. And, uh, and I was gonna do fly the RV, you know, and put tanks in it and everything. But I'm talking to Chris, my partner back in Toronto. In the meantime, he bought a derelict Comanche from Rockcliffe, Ottawa. And he, uh, it was lying in the, in the snow for three or four years. And he trucked it back to, he had a shop in uh, Burnington. And he wanted a retirement project. So basically, he took this derelict Comanche, Comanche 180. For four years and he rebuilt it into a cream puff so now he's got and then he got it flying so now he's what do i need two comanches for and i said well i've got an airplane in the uk what do i need a comanche in burlington for that i never fly so we sold the 250. so then you wind forward and I've, i was on the phone i said chris i'm going to do an rtw he said what the fuck's an rtw and i said around the world he said what do you mean i said i'm going to fly around the world in what and i said well, well my rv and he said well why don't the two of us go in the comanche Ah okay, so uh, so that was about a year ahead, and about three or four months to go, four or five months to go, he phoned me and he said, "I'm not going to go. I'm not going." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "I'm not. I'm, I, I can't sleep nights." He said, "We'll still be partners." And I said, "Well, Jesus Christ, this is." And I was down in the Channel Islands air racing, and I said. Let's both think about it for the weekend and I'll think of some options, you know, because we'd already started fundraising for charities Yeah, and we're planning around the world from Toronto to Toronto. But also when I flew across to Scotland, we'd relaunch for a Scottish charity and fly around. So when we got to Toronto, I'd cross the Atlantic again to complete the Scottish RTW and then bring the Comanche back. So I said, well, Christ, Chris, you know, we're a long ways in. We've collected money from charities on both sides of the Atlantic in this round the world trip and he's not going to go and i said well let's think about it for the weekend i'll try and think of some options so i i sent him an email so all i can think is we you know maybe we try and do a shorter trip maybe just a back and forth across the atlantic yeah we uh we just can the whole thing or give everybody the money back because we hadn't really spent any money yet or or maybe i just do the round the 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 RV6, RV6, RV uh, RV go back to that plan A, but it's pretty awkward now because you know I'm planning to leave. You know, so I phoned him on Monday when I got back, and I said, "Did you see my email?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "What do you think?" And he said, "Well, there's a fourth option you never mentioned." And I said, "Well, what's that?" And he said, "Well, you go." Well, I said, "What in your airplane?" He said, "Yeah, we're still partners. I'll get the airplane prepared. I'll join you for some of it." But in the end, he never said why, but I think there was three reasons. One is he was getting too much heat from the kitchen. Yeah. Two is he was really nervous about the oceanic legs. Yeah. And three, he didn't want to be away for 80 days. He just didn't want to be away for three months. So, This this, this is
2: good. Uh, Just to interrupt you, Brian's actually working on a round-the-world trip in a lake buccaneer. Yeah, go I was gonna
0: it. say. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I. It's kind of. Uh. Kind of near and dear to my heart because I'm. I'm planning yeah. to do effectively the same type of trip, uh, go yeah. around the world, and uh, there's because my plane's an amphib. Uh, I can yeah. technically uh, pick up a a world record in that.
1: Right. Yeah, right. So you'd launch from Edmonton or that area.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Just launch from home here, and uh, and then and head out that way. So obviously, I'm going to have to do the um, through the, uh, the Northern route, uh, across, uh, across Russia there, but, uh,
1: You're going to go I mean, West or East?
0: I'm going to go West or sorry, East. Yeah. E- Easter. So, so, uh, come across, uh, so go to Europe first and then across Asia yeah. and then back up around that way. So.
1: Well, we can, you know, we can talk separately about this, but I got lots of information that you'll find very helpful. In the event, I decided the, uh, and things have changed. It's six years later now, but I decided not to go the Russia Alaska for for two reasons. One is both Japan, Russia, and China at that time were so GA unfriendly, and the costs were outrageous and totally unpredictable. Yeah, so I I, I didn't like that idea at all. Uh, so I ended up going Mid Pacific. So and and. Part of what Chris, my partner, he joined me in Singapore, and we flew across Indonesia together to Darwin, Australia, top left corner. And then we circumnavigated uh, uh, Australia, right around the coast to Brisbane on the east side. And uh, then he got off, went home on the airlines, and I was joined. I I flew with eight different people, flew with me at different times on this trip, but a young Malaysian pilot joined me, lovely guy, he was 23. Two years earlier when he was 21, he'd done a solo around the world and he was the youngest guy in history to do that, a solo around the world at 21. Really? But he'd gone the Russian-Alaska route and he hadn't flown. And so he came along with me for the, so we departed Brisbane or Gold Coast and four legs to, to Hawaii, Uh, Vanuatu, American Samoa, Christmas Island to Kona, Hawaii. And then he got off and I did the big leap from to the West Coast alone because I was so full of fuel.
2: Right, you couldn't fit another person probably.
1: I could have but Chris, it was Chris's airplane, he said no solo. We had a, we had uh, got got authority from Transport Canada which took eight months and that's a whole other story. To to load the Comanche up to twenty one percent over gross to thirty two hundred pounds, the normal empty weight or gross of a single of a one eighty is twenty five hundred pounds. Yeah. So, so uh, I was up to about thirty one fifty pounds with full fuel. What, and what did you do I,
2: for um, ferry tank? Did you have them custom made, or did you? Well, there's a company
1: called There's a company called um, Turtle Pack in Australia and we bought uh, a collapsible collapsible bladder. Yep. So we took the back seat out of the Comanche and put it in there sideways. Yeah,
2: and it took 110
1: gallons, 110. So I had 30 in each main, 60 gallons in the wings and 110, total 170. Right. So I was, there's a whole story about the Atlantic uh, Pacific crossing. I'll tell you another time. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's a great story, but I don't want to take up all this time with that.
2: Well, but, you clearly uh, made it, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I made it. And it was 17 hours. I took off at 4 o'clock in the afternoon yeah. and landed in uh, Santa Maria, California at noon the next day. And,
2: Probably tired.
1: Quite tired. Yeah. <laughs> quite tired. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, that was the deal. So Chris said, yeah, you take the airplane, you do the trip. We're still partners. He joined me from Singapore to the east coast of Australia. And then he joined me again in um, in the Bahamas, Great Exuma. Yeah. And we flew up to Toronto and uh, and uh, stopped at Oshkosh because that year, the International Comanche Society, which we were members of, was having their annual general meeting at Oshkosh during the air show. So I was the guest speaker at their AGM dinner. I oh, was perfect. the dinner speaker at Oshkosh. Yeah. yeah. So perfect. when we... When we left Oshkosh, we had a couple of days there to enjoy the show, blah, blah, blah. And it was only, so our last leg into Toronto was just like, it was a couple hours or two and a half or whatever it was. And that was the final, you know, the completion of the Canadian Round the World part. So when we're flying over Michigan, I get a call from... uh, the center and he said, uh, "I've got a message for you. Go ahead." So London Radio wants to wants them wants you to give them a call. So when we got a bit closer, we called London Radio and he said, "Yeah, the CTV News helicopters been on. They want to meet you and fly in with you for your landing." So we agreed to rendezvous over the Burlington Bay uh, Skybridge Skyway yep. Bridge, which is only like four miles from our home airport, right? and of course we're going back we're going back into toronto island so we rendezvoused with them and we flew up the uh you know up the lakeside (laughs) to toronto and uh they were beside us trying to keep up with us in the chopper and we were doing a live interview on the on the radio it was really keen and then (laughs) of course they filmed our landing you know live and broadcast it so it was pretty neat yeah so we landed in toronto island uh, 80 day. It was that the name of the project was Fly RTW80 around the world in 80 days. Yeah, uh, and we landed there 80 hours, two hours and 30 minutes after I took off. So That wasn't bad. <laughs> that's that's good took, planning. When I took off from Toronto Island, and I had another guy with me, a uh, you know a friend who ponied up a fifteen thousand dollar donation to Sick Kids Hospital for the privilege of flying across the Atlantic with me, right? Yeah. So we took off on runway zero 08 there. We took off, and the wheels are up. And we're just about to go over from tower to center. And uh, I said, uh, uh, Island Tower, it's Yankee Hotel uniform. And he said, Go ahead. And I said, Yeah, I'm reporting a 25,000 mile final for runway zero 08. <laughs> <laughs> he liked that. That's amazing. So anyways, Lots of stories from that one I won't bore you with here, but, uh, you've got a great adventure. How long are you planning to spend on your yours, uh, Brian? I'm, uh,
0: I'm, I'm pretty preliminary in my, uh, in my actual planning for it right now. Yeah. So it's going to be a little bit longer for me, obviously, cause I got a much yeah. slower aircraft, but, uh, yeah. But uh, I'm very um, I'm, I'm kind of in the early preliminary st- uh, planning stages. Now, did you do all the planning yourself for that flight, or did you use? Because uh, I know there's a couple services uh, yeah. that do that. Well,
1: you can you can spend a uh, hundred grand if you want on on flight planning services, Skyway or whatever they are in Calgary, and there's one in Dallas and or Houston, and there's various. But I did I did the route planning and I just did it on on uh, not on four flight it wasn't that well advanced yet but on, uh, on others and I just went on and I drew lot you know I did uh, did a route and which I adjusted you know 35 times uh, you know as yeah. I got because I was a year in the planning phase yeah. and then I investigated the services and what I ended up doing so I did my route planning. And then I got a guy in the UK who I'd be happy to introduce you to in York, England. And there's two guys, there's one in York, England, there's another company in Norway, and they know each other, they're competitors, <laughs> but they both do the same service and they'll give you whatever level of service you want. But my guy, Mike, like, he lives in a little house, I actually went and saw him, be- met him before I engaged with him. But he lives in a little house, he met me in a pub in York and we, we had lunch. And uh, he's there and he's available 24 hours a day. And what the f- main function he did before me was get me my country clearances. And, and basically what you do in line 18 of your flight plan is when you're filing to go from, from, from uh, uh, Canada to, to Greenland, you, you have your country permission to enter the country, which he arranges that. And then you just put that under remarks in your flight plan, permit numbers one, two, three, four, five, six. And mm-hmm. that's what he did for me. And he also, where I needed ground handling, mm-hmm. he's got, he knows everybody in the world, yeah. Yep. So he he he'd introduced, give me an introduction to them. But I, I, and I did use ground handling everywhere except North America, Western Europe, and and Australia. But everywhere else I did because you got the language issues and, and, of course, the bureaucracy, which have you ever flown outside of Canada or the U.S.? I uh, yeah. flew in China.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scott's China. flown in China.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's a different world. Eh? we People don't understand here in North America how lucky we are until you go somewhere else. I mean, everything's double to triple the cost or more yep. for GA, yep. including fuel. And and the bureaucracy is unbelievable. It just, yeah, yeah, so, it's
2: almost not manageable.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, the young it's, guy, the young guy that flew with me, when he got to Japan, he got eleven thousand five hundred U.S. landing uh, landing fee at the airport. Yeah. When he got to Russia, I forget the name of the place. Um, it was cold, and uh, so he wanted to put the, hang- put the aircraft inside for the night. So they said, no problem. They put it in the hangar, and they wanted $5,000 for that U.S., mm. and, and he beat them down to 2500 Yeah, U.S. Wow. To put the airplane in the hangar overnight. Yeah.
0: That's incredible, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I understand some places you can't even get things like 100 low-lead. You, you're, you're, you really well, have to pick your aer- airports.
1: Major issue, especially the Pacific. It's getting worse and worse. Now, but what's happened with Russia since since I did that trip? Russia's just opened right up. And there's a guy in, in Moscow that'll do this this service. And uh I was last year, uh 2019, yeah, June 2019. We did a Give Hope Wings mission to Alaska. And I've flown up there quite a few times before, Alaska but uh, the, this was the second time I flew out to Nome, you know, on the Northwest coast where it's only That's far. 24 miles across to Russia. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I did that for the second time. And when I was in Nome, there was a group of pilots there and they were going into Russia and it's opened right up. You can go across into Russia, like, uh, like on a day trip for a couple of days, you leave Nome, fly into inland Russia Spend a couple of days in some city there. I forget the name of it, and then come back. And like they were stuck in Nome for weather because that it's at that time. This is a year and a half ago. You could only cross into Russia VFR, and with a minimum of 5,000 foot ceiling and 10 miles or whatever. So they didn't have the weather to go legally. So you don't right. when you when you go into Russia, you do things legally. Yeah, you don't. Yeah.
0: yeah, Well, yeah. Matt, uh, what was it, Matt? Matt Guthmiller. He's uh, he was uh, one of the more recent guys who was uh, the youngest person in the world to fly around the world. He went up there to Russia this this past summer, I believe it was, yeah. and uh, he made the news because they were they were all worried that it was some American coming in and uh, and not uh, not paying the dues and stuff. So it was it was pretty pretty difficult even for someone who's done it, who's gone over yeah. there.
1: Yeah. So um, basically, twice now, last year and in 2016, I was up there. I took the route, and you have to do this someday just for fun. Not maybe not as part of around the world, but the Bering Sea. It's like 40 miles from from, from Russia from the U.S. to Russia, and in the right in the middle of the Bering Sea is the two islands, the uh, Diomede's, and there's little Diomede and big Diomede, and big Diomede. Is quite big. It's it's in Russia, and then there's two miles, and Little Diomede. It's only about three miles long, plus and a mile wide, and it's in the U. S. And the the border goes down, and the international date line is between the two Little Diomede and Big. Okay. So now these days with GPS, you know, we've got it made. So the first time I went, and the second time I went into the FAA office in Nome. They, they had an office there right now they've since outsourced it but they so first time i was there i was leading a group of six airplanes and i said we want to fly out to the islands and you know circle around the, and 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 he said you won't have any problems we didn't even have to file a flight plan or a flight note he said so here's the deal you go out there you've got your gps and you don't cross the line in fact to be safe you just 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 use the the west side of Little Diomede. Don't even go about two miles in case you make a mistake, because there, you won't have any problems. But when you go out there, and there was six of us, eh, doing orbits, yeah, you won't have any problem. But everybody's watching. They're watching from NORAD in California, in Colorado, and the Russians are watching. You cross that line, you're going to have a very bad day. <laughs> you'll have a, you'll have a, 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 a an MU, uh, uh, um, on your left wing. And you'll be landing in Russia. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, shit, its only 20 miles, and it's like to Siberia, right? And it's like it's like being in in Vancouver and look at the North Shore Mountains. Yeah, it's almost feels that close. Yeah? Wow, and absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. That's gorgeous.
0: that's incredible. Yeah, I'm. I, I really want to kind of go up there and do the uh, do a bit of Alaska and stuff. I need to gather a lot of experience and stuff and some ratings and stuff before I yeah. actually start out and do it. So places like that are great places to go and, and try that. So I, I think oh, I'll yeah. probably go do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you have a, uh, you said you had an RV six, was it?
1: Yeah. I had a six a, which is the one with the training wheel on the front. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got a six. The beginner now. one.
2: Yeah. That's the beginner one. The beginner the, Six a,
1: yeah. yeah. A, the, the RV is an A means nose wheel. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I know <laughs> the
0: beginner. Yeah. So yeah. did did you build that you, plane yourself, or did you buy it? No,
1: I'm not a builder. I bought both of them. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: There's a great cartoon made the rounds uh, about a year or so ago, and it shows the guy, young, good-looking guy, sitting on the end of the edge of the bed like this with his head in his hands, and the bed's behind him, and a very nice-looking, lovely wife sitting up in a flimsy negligee reading a book, and he's sitting like this, and the and the little bubble says he says Uh, I'm, I'm a nose wheel pilot. My wife thinks we should both start seeing other men. (laughs) (laughs) So so, yeah.
2: Jokes will never get old. No, no,
1: no, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. But they're way easier in the wind. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So now with your around the world trip, you, you were raising money for a charity. What, uh, what charity was that?
1: So when Chris popped up and said, why don't the two of us go in the Comanche? You know, this was I was gonna do this round the forward flight out of Scotland for a, uh, a totally charity run air ambulance in Scotland that had just started up to raise money for them at my home airport. And I was chairman of the flying club at the Perth airport. And so it was just a natural. I said, well, you know, you guys they are they're just raising money to start up this very expensive helicopter ambulance service. And I said, you know, this is one so i So I, I started a project to fly around the world to raise money for Scottish, Scotland's charity, Air Ambulance. And then Chris said, why don't the two of us go? And I said, well, shit, that's a whole different scene. And then I said, well, actually, maybe we could find a charity in Canada and we could raise, you know, to help defray, defray some, uh, spread the load a bit. Because, you know, if you can collect some money and then you'd use a little bit of that to cover expenses, part of your expenses, so, after a little going around and whatnot, my son, who's got two kids that are Asperger kids,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he said, You know, Sick Kids Foundation, Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto, turns out they, they've got uh, probably the most advanced Asperger's Autism Research Center in the world, the first or second. So, he put me in touch and I went in to see the head of that and said, You know, I'm going to fly around the world. I, Want to raise money for a charity and then blah 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 Scotland and and so he just leapt at it. So we ended up. So all the money we raised in Canada was for for Sick Kids Foundation. All the money we raised in Europe was for for the Scottish Air Ambulance.
0: Wow, that's incredible.
1: Yeah. So so I that was I didn't know anything about fundraising in those days. Right? I've learned a lot since. <laughs> but we raised a net of $150,000 for those two, about 80 dollars $80,000 each, Canadian dollars, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, then that was 2014. Then 2018, we did this trip around. We flew around South America for 60 days for, for Hope Air. Wow. Well, I'd learned a bit. We raised $520,000 in that. <laughs> wow. So, wow. And then That's the Alaska a- trip. The Alaska trip last year we raised 250000 Then two or three guys from Ontario did a mini trip in, in the autumn of this year, uh, late September. Uh, they called it the Sioux de Saguenay around Ontario and Quebec. And uh, it was only five days, but they raised 120000 So we're up getting close to about $900,000 we've raised for Hope Air. Yeah, and our ambition for 2021 is to raise 1 1.1 million to get us up to two million dollars for Hope
2: Well, that that's a huge step up. Yeah. What uh, what are you going to do to get there?
1: Well, the previous trips, other than this little mini trip they did in Ontario and Quebec, but the other two trips, you know, we take off and we're you know, first day we're out of Canada. You know, we're heading south to 20 countries in the U.S. and Latin America, or we're heading north to Alaska, and we're out of Canada. Well, this one is from Victoria to St. John's, Newfoundland, and back, and we're going to be in Canada for flying for 30 days, and we're going to stop, like Kelowna, for example, our first stop after Victoria's Kelowna. Well, Kelowna is the biggest fundraising depot in Canada, for uh, I mean uh, um, depot service depot for Hope Air in Canada. Like there's 1,600 flights in and out of Kelowna last year. Hope <laughs> Air flights. So so we'll do a big PR event here. Then we'll go on to Calgary and overnight there. And we've got PR. We're going to hit all – are we recording now? Are you guys – going? is this going to be usable? or? Yeah oh, yeah.
0: oh, yeah. This is all completely yeah. usable, yeah.
1: Oh, okay, good. Everybody's so, going to hear this. Okay. So we're going to launch in Victoria. We'll stop in Kelowna for lunch. And a PR event, and Kelowna being Hope Air's biggest um, depot in Canada. And the airport here is all, has always been a great supporter of Give Hope Wings and Hope Air. Yep. So, you know, we'll, we'll have a great event here on to Calgary. <clears throat> and then our route takes us on. So, the way we've structured this trip, it's 8,500 nautical miles. And I hope you'll have, uh, you know, I'll give you a copy of the map that you can maybe integrate with this somehow.
0: Yeah, we will for sure.
1: But we've got it in divided into three phases and what we learned, I'll, I'll back up a little bit here. So when I flew around the world and, and my partner bailed out on me, this was a big problem, but it was also an opportunity because I've got an empty rate right seat. So one of my friends in Scotland who was good, uh, he was very good, good support just in the planning. And I, he's kind of an idea guy. He says, this is an opportunity. You got an MTC. So you auction it off and get people to come along with you and pay for the, make a generous donation yeah. to the charities. So so that round the world, I had eight different people fly with me and make large and not quite so large donations. Yeah. yeah. So come along to our South American trip. That was 20,000 nautical miles. We divided it into eight segments and we asked for $30,000 because I had an empty seat again, $30,000 donation to somebody who wanted to share in this great adventure. So, and we sold them all. So we raised over half a million dollars, 200,000 of it came from what we call VFCs volunteer flight crew Mm -hmm. who fly along with us. So, we thought you know how crazy is that to ask somebody for thirty thousand dollars well actually when you sit and analyze it who might be interested and this is a, the same thing we did in alaska and we will do in cross canada so we've divided the cross canada trip into three phases phase one is victoria to toronto <clears throat> that's seven days And the whole trip, we're gonna land at all 11 capitals, Ottawa and all 10 provincial capitals, and we'll be stopping at historic, particularly heavy emphasis on aviation, museums, et cetera, along the way. Yep. So phase one, and we're asking people for that week flying with us to donate $20,000. And so going back to South America, we're saying, well, how do we find eight or 20 people to make donations like that? When you think about it, the um, the people who would be interested in this they got four attributes. One, they've got a bit of time, you know, a week or two off to connect with us and yeah, fly. Two, yep. they got a bit of money because this is this is for charity. Yep. Three, they want to have the adventure of a lifetime. This is a bucket list, the mother of all bucket lists, to fly across Canada or a big part of Canada and see what we see. Who gets to do this? One-tenth of one percent of the Canadians ever, the world's population, one-one-hundredth of one percent. Who gets to do this? Nobody, right? Yeah. So it's an adventure of a lifetime. That's three. And four is they want to give back. You know, they're probably people who have done well and they want to give back. As all of us expedition captains want to give back, I mean, we're not doing this because we're making money. It's costing us a lot of money, personally. We make a donation to hope Bear ourselves, and, uh, and then we organize this to bring in a lot of money. We're, not, we're in it because we're, we're kind of like those four attributes. We've got the time to do it. We can afford to do it. Most of us are retired businessmen, yeah, the pilots. Yeah. We can afford to do it. We want to have a flying adventure of a lifetime and we want to get back. Yeah. And this is this Hope Air connection that we've got is such a natural. Going back to the first one, back in 2017, I was hankering for, uh, I'd flown up to Alaska in 2016 with a bunch of air, I led six aircraft up there, and I was hankering for another long distance trip. But I wasn't going to, I told when we finished our adventure, twenty-six Adventure, to, to, there was 11 of us in six airplanes. And our last our last supper was in Prince Rupert. And we came down the coast before we split up. And so that the guy said, at, you know, the, our last supper said, well, McElroy, where's the next big trip? And I, said, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, said, well, I don't know. Well, we've just been north. I guess it should be south, eh?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so one of the guys, Russ, Russ Airy, he's I'm in. So that was 2016, June. So about August 2017, I'm getting itchy. And I get thinking, well, you know, I, I'd been to Columbia, but I'd never been further south than Columbia. What about flying around South America? So I phoned Russ in Windsor and I said, hey, I'm thinking about flying around South America next year. He's, I'm in. I'm in. I said, you're serious? He's, I'm serious. So I got an RV6. He's got an RV9A. And so, okay, so so I said, well, but we're not going to do it for just for fun. We're gonna we're gonna do it for a great cause. So I'm casting around for a great cause. And I was thinking about Kelowna General Hospital, and then one of my friends said, well, he was just at a social do, and one of the guys at this event, whatever it is in Kelowna, was Sam Samador, who's the airport director here of Kelowna International Airport. And, sent, and he mentioned it to Sam, and he said, "Well, what about Hope Air?" And so he says, "Well, what about Hope Air?" And I said, "What's Hope Air? I've never heard of it." You know, I lived in the UK for 15 years, and uh, so I looked up their website, and I talked to Russ. And he said, "I'm in." So I phoned Hope Air. This was September, August or September 2016, 2017, 2017. And I said, hi, my name's Dave McElroy. I'm thinking about flying around South America to raise money for a charity. And your name came up. She said, hang on a minute. And she put me through to the VP. And so I told her, I said the same thing. And she said, uh, you know what? Me and myself and the president of Au Pair, we're going to be up in Vancouver next week. Is there any way you could meet us for dinner? I said, Sure. So I flew down to Vancouver and I met them. Actually, he was tied up, but I met her for dinner. So that was the birth of Give Hope Wings. And, uh, you know, so far we've raised almost $900,000 for Hope Air. Uh, The average cost of a Hope Air flight, average, because they get, most of them are on airliners, right? Right. Some of them are private pilots like me and whatnot that do flights, but that's like one or two percent the other 98's on the book airlines for, for clients. And uh, so the average cost, because particularly West Jap and Air Canada and on all the regional carriers, they're very generous with Hope Air and they donate blocks of seats. And plus they give Hope Air a heavily discounted rates. So the average cost for all the flights in a year is 250 bucks each. So a thousand bucks funds four flights yeah, on, on average. Yeah. So, so far, we've raised, call it round numbers, a million dollars. Well, that's funded 4,000 free medical flights for Canadians who have to get, disadvantaged Canadians, financially disadvantaged Canadians, who have to get to health care far from home. So on the basis of hope areas, Canada's got a great health care system, you know, by world standards, it really does. But if you live way off in the Thule somewhere, access to that great health care system is a huge issue. Yeah?
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, also what you talked about, if you have specific medical illnesses or ra- more rare medical illnesses, you yeah. have to travel to get the care.
1: To an urban center. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you've got a 10-year-old kid, if you live in Smithers, British Columbia, and you've got a 10-year-old kid with cancer and he needs 10 trips to the cancer unit in Vancouver... You know, it's a 15-hour bus ride each way, or it's an hour and a half flight on Hope Air, and free. So one of the things that Hope Air's done studies and all that, and basically they've determined that every Hope Air flight affects directly affects at least seven people on average, impacts seven people, you know, from pilots to taxi drivers to the medical staff to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the family, the family. And of course, if it's a kid, 40% of Hope Air clients are kids. And of course, if they're young, if they're younger than 12 or whatever, then, then, then Hope Air also takes their parent or guardian. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so basically if you think about it so far, we've funded 4,000 flights, which is, which has impacted uh, four sevens or 20, twenty-eight thousand people. Wow! And next year, if we raise over a million, it's another four thousand flights, another twenty-eight thousand people impacted. So this is pretty significant. And of course, it's great to sit here and talk about it. But when you meet a Hope Air client, I'll tell you another story. Last year, I put my Hope Air, my Give Hope Wings shirt on because I was doing a photo shoot out at the out at the airport. Yeah. Uh, before we went to Alaska, and so we were at the airport, and we, we did this photo shoot, blah blah blah. And then I'm driving home, and I stopped into Walmart to get some pickups of a couple of things in the way. So I'm, I'm at Walmart, and I got a got a few good good goodies and whatnot. And I'm I'm coming up to the to the cash register, and there's this fairly large woman who's uh, the cashier, and uh, you know I'm kind of walking towards her. And she looks up, and she's, give hope wings, hope air, you saved my son's, you saved my son's sight. And she's screaming at the top of her lungs, and I'm scared the hell out of me, and I'm looking around, everybody's looking. She's, you saved my son's flight. My son had 20, had 10 flights to Vancouver, and he'd be blind if it wasn't for you people. Wow. So, and of course, I'd just come from the airport where we'd had a nine-year-old girl. With the same story and her mother, that Hope Air had basically changed her life forever. This girl was some illness—I forget what it was—but there's there's like four thousand stories like that that we're we funded already, and another four thousand next year. I mean, you meet these people, and they're people who are the average. Is, this is probably out of date, but two years ago, the average annual income of family income for Hope Air clients was twenty-eight thousand dollars. Wow. So. You know, if you're in Newfoundland and you have to get for treatment in Montreal, and your average income as a family is $28,000. It's not going to happen.
2: Yeah, well, that's a massive different. chunk yeah. of your disposable income just oh, on yeah. that.
1: Yeah, just the transport. And, and and the other thing, basically, Hope Air solves two problems for these people, the problems of, t- of distance and cost they shrink the distance from 15 hours to 1 or whatever it is yeah. and the cost disappears and now they've formed in the last year or two two, two years ago this started they've formed a strategic alliance with bnb who's uh, bnb um i've got the term wrong where you where you rent uh, houses or Airbo airbnb airbnb airbnb, airbnb. yeah and Airbnb's donating. So now Hope Air is able to provide transport and uh, and in many cases, uh, you know, a hotel or a home accommodation for the wow. you know, parents while they're there for a day or two for the hospital and all this stuff.
0: That's that's something a lot of people don't think about is uh, is that whole side aspect. Even if our healthcare system is free, how do you get somebody there? How do you uh, put them up when they're receiving treatment? If they've got to be there for a, a week or two, uh, how do you get them there? And how do you and, and how do oh, yeah. they, they live and look after
1: them? And 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 whole pair We don't just dump them at the airport. We make sure they're met. It's usually not an ambulance because we're not an ambulance service. We're going to get people to specialized treatment, right? Right. At urban, urban hospitals that they can't get where they are. Uh, because ambulance, that's a whole different issue. That's not Hope Air's affairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but basically, we don't just dump in the airport. We make sure that they get, they've got transport and our pilots, the Hope Air pilots that are flying, you know, they make sure they get in a cab or they take them themselves down to the hospital, whatever. Yeah. So, and then accommodation, you know, there's make, things like McDonald's House and whatnot that have accommodation, mm-hmm. but not for everybody. So this is a whole dimension that Hope Air's been able to add for over the last couple of years. Yeah. This Airbnb. Wow.
0: Sounds like you're doing a, a ton of work for that. And uh so obviously Hope Air is doing a lot of this uh this kind of great uh, great charity type of work, and you're doing this uh uh this uh this cross cross Canada tour.
1: Yeah, so we're doing this basically for several reasons. One is to raise money to fund lots of Hope Air flights. Two is to raise awareness of hope air because it's amazing how many people don't know about the service it's if, you know if doctors if i didn't
2: know if i didn't hear about you guys coming through villeneuve this summer i wouldn't have heard about it right yeah, same thing so it's the best
1: kept secret in canada you know and and hope air has set a mission they do uh, they did about 13,000 flights last year the year before covid it's down this year but it was about thirteen thousand flights, so it's a thousand flights a month. Eh? So, so if you divide that by uh, thirty days, thirty days, it's what thirty a day. Yeah, yeah.
2: Something like that. So,
1: if it's you think over. about it, there's at least one or two or three Hope Air flights in the air as we speak, right? Yeah. So, so, uh, and and obviously, Give Hope Wings has become an important fundraising uh, uh, avenue for Hope Airs. And they've set a vision to double their service from 12 to 25,000 missions per year in five years. Right. So there's a huge need for this service and the need to grow every time more people find out a bit about it. So they wanna have the facilities and the funding to be able to double over the next five years. So we're certainly playing into that and Hope Air all the staff at Hope Airs are amazing people. Uh, the other thing that really attracted me, going back to the first conversation 2016, when I looked them up on the website, the first thing I saw is how efficient they are. They're very lean and mean. And uh, lots of charities, you know, you see some charities that are bragging only 30% of their donations go to admin. Seventy percent goes to services <laughs> and whatnot, and others are much, much worse. I won't mention any names, but some You've of these of charities them. with, you know, with eight, five hundred and nine hundred thousand a year salaries for the CEO and whatnot—that's not whole pair. Whole pair is lean and mean, and their maximum fifteen cents in any dollar donated goes to admin. Everything else goes to booking flights. Yeah, so that attracted to me. I come from a very. Uh, uh, very competitive industry, the lumber, the wood products business, and if your costs aren't right, you don't survive. And so that's kind of drilled into my ethos. And I like lean and mean and efficiency. And Hope Air was great. Obviously, it's all about aviation. And it's about helping people with medical problems. So what could be more natural than to fly, do long distance flights to raise money for this great, great organization, right?
2: Well, you have the time of your life while yes. raising money for such a great group, while affecting 4,000 people a year, plus what could, indirect
1: go effects. Wrong? Yeah. what could possibly go wrong with this equation, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. So
0: uh, I guess the big, the big important question I have to ask you is how does somebody get involved in Hope Air and this uh, Give Hope Wings uh, uh, run, whether you're a pilot, whether you're just a regular sponsor or, or just kind of a regular interested person, how do you, how do you get involved and how do you, how do you, uh, how do you help out with this?
1: So basically we've got a great website up, givehopewings.ca that's over the next month or two that's going to be integrated into Hope Air's website. Uh, when we've completed the first, first mission around South America, Hope Air asked me could, could they take ownership of the Give Hope Wings entity because it's actually a pretty well-known brand now. Give Hope. And, and, and I said of course. Hope Air owns the brand and rightfully so and uh, they've decided, they've got a new president uh, six, uh, well, actually early this year, about March. Mark uh, Rubinstein took over as CEO. Wonderful, great guy, One as was as was the guy before him, Doug. But uh, Mark, uh, and Mark's got a lot, enormous business and charitable and marketing experience. And so they decided they want to fold the our website, peoplequings.ca into AuPair's website hopeair.ca but you can go to givehopewings.ca and everything pops up and you'll see there right on the home page there's three there's three pdfs you can tag for volunteer flight crew for expedition captains so to your question brian how does one get involved and there's a brochure on sponsorship so we've got various levels of corporate sponsorship we're hoping to to attract a, uh, a lead sponsor, uh, a presenting sponsor for $200,000. We're hoping to attract three uh, key sponsors, like one for each of the three phases,
2: mm-hmm. these
1: three phases for 100000 And then there's $50,000, $25,000, Various levels of support from various corporates. Corporate, and there's many benefits of sponsorship because... This is gonna be receive so much press. We're gonna have up to 25 airplanes flying at a time some days, yeah? yeah. It's gonna receive, and we've got press events all over the place to promote. Our, so, so going back to our objectives, it's to raise money for Hope Air, to raise awareness of Hope Air, obviously to promote our, our key corporate sponsors. And fourth is to have the experience of a lifetime yeah, yeah. for Everybody involved, and then we've got a fifth one, which is is equally important from my perspective, and all three of us founding uh, founders of Give Hope Wings shared this is that we want to inspire young people, actually young people of any age, uh, <laughs> because we actually you know I guess think of it this way we when we started before we flew around South America. You know, kind of our tagline is we're three retired businessmen and we're ordinary people, but ordinary people are capable of extraordinary things if they put their mind to it. And we think there's an inspiring story here to tell. And I've given talks about give hope wings, hope air to so many audiences all across Canada and inspiring young people. And it's not just about flying and aviation. It's about... I think the biggest gift we could give anybody is, is, uh, let me put it this way. We think the three of us founders thought that one of the biggest constraints on young people is the inability to imagine a much bigger life for themselves. Whether you're in Afghanistan or China or Canada, you know, northern Canada, anywhere, And you don't have a lot in your life, not a lot of opportunity. It's impossible to imagine. So like if you told me when I was 20 or 30 or 40 or 10, you know what? When you're 66, you're going to fly around the world in a single engine airplane. And you're going to be the 198th person in the history of the world to do that. You know, there's seven or 800 astronauts and cosmonauts. You're going to be the 198th person in the history of the world to do that. You told me that when I was 10. I said, well, not only is that unbelievable and obvious nonsense, it's unimaginable. You can't imagine that, you know? And when you think about young people, we we all grow up where we grew up. I grew up in a very small town in British Columbia with very limited horizons. I mean, I was privileged to grow up where I did, but I had no understanding of what's was available to people,
2: you know? And what the opportunity was.
1: What the opportunities are, and there's so many opportunities, but kids don't understand that because nobody's talking to them about it, you know? And and the biggest constraint on many young lives is the inability to even imagine a bigger life for themselves. So that's kind of a a side objective of ours is to tell the story and try and inspire young people, as I say, of any age. Even if you're, a lot of people are 50. I mean, when I was 50, I never dreamt that I was doing this 15 years later. Never. In my wildest imagination. Yeah. You're so, probably anyways, still sitting
2: in board meetings, conference rooms. Yeah,
1: all the time, all the time, all the time. You know, trying to squeeze an extra one and half a percent out of our costs. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, so anyways, just going back to our trip. I talked about phase one is uh, so, so, well, yeah, fundraising. So there's corporate sponsors, there's private individuals. So anybody that comes up with a thousand dollar donation, whether an individual or group gets their name on the planes. yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Corporate sponsors, depending on the size of the, of the sponsorship, you know, their, their logos are emblazoned on the planes. And of course there's many other benefits and websites and promotion and all that stuff. So private individuals or groups, like I have, I have uh, lunch every Friday with five or six other guys. And we're all actually, we're all retired businessmen and lawyers and that stuff. So the first one I said, you know, you guys, we got to get your name on the plane. You know, you know, I need a thousand bucks out of you. You know, it's only 150 or 200 each or whatever. Give me. And, uh, okay okay and, and I said well what am I going to put on the side of the plane and one of them said well obviously it's the Romeo group gonna, isn't it? And I said well what's the Romeo group? Retired old men eating out. <laughs> so the Romeo group has been front and center on every mission so far and they will be next year but any group or individual gets their name on the plane So uh, so in terms of the fundraising we've got Corporate sponsorships, individual and group donations. We've got um, donations from the pilots. Yep. And uh, and then the VFCs, the Volunteer Flight Crew. People are willing to make a large donation to fly along with us for one, two, or three phases.
2: What would that cost? Do you do you have a, so, a target? Yeah, for phase
1: that? one, phase one, the first week from Victoria to Toronto is that we're looking for a twenty thousand dollar donation. Phase two goes from Toronto to Newfoundland and back to, actually, we're going to end at the COPA convention at Saint-Jean, just out of Montreal. Oh, fine. And we'll be there for the weekend of the COPA AGM and convention, yeah? Yeah. So that's phase two. Now, that's 12 days because that's a lot of ground to cover. And if you think about stopping in every capital, Ottawa, Quebec, um, the all the maritime provinces, and going up to Labrador as far as Goose Bay. And then back into Saint-Jean. So that one we're asking $30,000 donation, that's 12 days. And then the final phase from Saint-Jean back to Victoria is a week again, and that's 20,000. So that's an important, that's a big chunk of revenue we're looking at from that, the corporate donations, the private donations and the VFCs, and then the pilots. So we got two types of pilots, expedition captains like me and four or five others so far, that are going to fly and have room to take a volunteer flight crew. And uh, so we, we make a donation for the privilege of doing this. And, uh, and, uh, so, and then that's expedition captains who are carrying vo- volunteer flight crew. And then we have what we call supporting pilots. And that's anybody, and I'm sure including you guys, that want to join us for a leg or two. You might want to fly from Villeneuve to, to Victoria with us. Or you might want to fly from the Copa Convention in Saint Jean to Villeneuve, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we say, come along and fly any part of a phase with us, make a thousand dollar donation, and we will hope air staff will make you a fundraising page and I'll send you a sample of that so you see mine. Yeah. Okay. And so we say, wait, well, we need a thousand dollar donation. And you know, if you're gonna raise, you know, get people to donate nine hundred of that or a yeah. thousand of it. Great. And, and also raise your own the, money. Absolutely. And and raise a fundraising page and tell everybody you know, and you'd be surprised. One of the guys has already raised $12,000. He just started six weeks ago. Yeah. So that's our sources of revenue. Yeah. Is those four buckets, the corporate, the individual and group, the pilots and the volunteer flight crew. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, I'm definitely definitely interested in flying uh, at, at least part of it, maybe maybe yeah. even all of it, because I really do like the the long distance flying, and I need to kind of gav- gather that experience for my own expedition. Well,
2: yeah. not only that, you get to get experience from somebody that knows how to do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. So, have you crossed the rocks yet, Brian?
0: Uh, I've only gotten part way across them uh, yeah. so far, and uh, I do plan to get out to Kelowna a little bit more because my parents do live out there as well.
1: Oh really? Oh okay. Well, let me know when you're coming, eh? we'll hook up. Absolutely. But, uh, so that the last legs are going to be pretty neat because we originally go from, we we're going to go from Villeneuve to Grand Prairie and then way up north to just south of Watson Lake to a resort up there. The problem is we're there in July first weekend, and, and we could you know they wouldn't risk taking the tying up their whole resort for us in case we didn't get there for weather or whatever. So we've had quite a bit of trouble. Then we we're going to be spend that July first, July one to three in Kelowna. But the problem is, on a stat halt you don't get the press out. So that so we're actually gonna we're gonna go Villeneuve, Grand Prairie, Prince George, overnight in Prince George, then Prince George to Nelson, B.C. Which happens to be my hometown, and it's probably one of the most beautiful places in Canada to spend a couple of days on a July first weekend. Oh, man. And so that'll be our final stop before Victoria. We'll, we'll go there. We'll fly from Prince George to Nelson on the first, and then on the third, Nelson down to Victoria, which will be the completion of our trip. Wow. So that's- you'll probably want to come at least that far, Villeneuve to Victoria, because that's yep. a, a, a life experience.
0: Yeah, at the bare minimum, that's uh, that's definitely what I'm going to do for sure, and uh, I do have the time uh, to to do the whole trip, so I might I might uh, might even consider oh. joining the entire thing.
1: Oh wow, wow! So we got three classes of airplanes, th- three speed classes.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, Mine will be on the lowest, of course. Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> the the 100, uh, 100, 120 knots or slower, so you'll yeah. be in there. Yeah. Then we've got hundred twenty to one hundred and forty. And then 150 plus, so that we'll we'll fly together, which doesn't isn't to say formation, but we'll you know we'll basically start every day with a briefing, you know somebody will do the weather briefing, uh, and the, I'm I'm the chief pilot, so I'll make sure that we've got all our ducks in a row. We'll talk about it, and there's three groups, and we usually take off and trail, and then you know thing you tend to separate quite quickly. Yeah. But unless you unless you you know really make an effort to stay together, but we we always talk on the radio, and each each aircraft has got a designated number. So like I'm Wings One, Lee Arsenal is Wings Two, Steve Drinkwater is Wings Three. So we talk on the radio, Wing you know, or, or Wings uh, Wings One to all Wing flight. You know we broadcast it everybody. Yeah. So we talk talk about the what's going on with the weather, whatever. And and you know yeah the guy I, I, in lead can
2: give updates absolutely up ahead go south
1: typically typically I'm always in the lead with my RV6 because it's pretty quick and I you know I'm be fifty miles ahead you know it's it, to the north it's looking kind of grungy I'm I'm diverting to the south a bit and it just works it's amazing and what a great way to, for people with less experience to learn it is so much fun and it's interesting and challenging and it's fun and then every night you know we're together somewhere at a hotel. And you know, have lots of laughs and talk about the next day. It's it's more it's more fun than any human deserves to be have really.
0: Well, this, I bet this is this is this is absolutely perfect for me. This is like yeah, lights shining from the from the heavens on this one. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: And it would uh, really prepare you for uh, whenever you're ready to go around the world.
0: Yep. And yep. Uh, I have I have a couple friends that I think uh, might uh, might have some sizable donations that they might be might be interested. Oh, in.
1: wow. Yeah, so put them in touch with me. And my, my contact's right on the website, on the front page. You know, there's a, a co-pair contact in mine. <clears throat> if they come to me first, I'll make sure we talk to them at the right level, depending on, you know, if it's a big corporation. Co-pair jumps in and, and, and does their thing with them to, to make sure that they understand the impact of, of, of a sizable donation. The impact it's having on people is staggering. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've got a good PowerPoint presentation we can give to any size audience. So, yeah, so please talk to us and we'll, and we've got an amazing ground crew already hard at work, like in Nelson. I, I mentioned it happens to be my hometown, so I know a few people there, right? Yeah. And uh, staying anywhere for a long weekend, especially a nice place, a tourist place like Nelson, is hard. Well, just three days ago, I made an inquiry through old friends. I've got friends that I went through high school with and run the, one of the biggest hotel in town. And, of course, their son runs it now. They're retired. And, and uh, so I said, you know, we, we're going to have 20 or 40 people coming and we need accommodation. Well, you know, within 24 hours, I got a note back from their son, the, the general manager. of. Now they have two hotels. The Humes booked up. But, you know, we can accommodate quite a few of you. So I have put him in touch with the ground crew and they're organizing all this. We got another ground crew that's working with the airports. Make sure we can be handled. How many airplanes maximum? There's fuel there, all that stuff. But like first trip, I did all of me and Russ and Harold, the three of us did all this ourselves. Now we got a whole crew doing it. It's amazing.
2: You're making me want to join too.
1: Well, I think you should, Scott. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe hey, you have to. You'll, yeah,
2: you have to take the cassette. You know, <laughs> can't well, take any I passengers, but have fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Dave. I'd have to give you weather updates.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm shopping right now. I think I'm going to buy an RV10. Oh I'll probably, man! I'll be flying the 10 rather than yeah. The RV6. Yeah.
2: Oh, that'd be a good. Machine.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Especially for that kind of mission.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, any other questions? I can't think of anything. What about you,
0: Brian? I think we hit all the most important things there. We hit uh, hit your world flight, which I thought was uh, incredible. When I was uh, doing a bit of research on you and the organization, I was I was floored that you'd actually done that and you'd you'd done it for charity. And uh, and I I see you're you're very very um, interested in a lot of different charity types of things. So uh, we're we're uh, you know, very, very happy to have you on here and, uh, and quite happy to hear about all this stuff and and ho- hopefully be able to help get the word out and get more pilots uh, involved or, or at least get you get you some uh, donations from people.
1: Yeah. So yeah, from corporate individuals and groups, like some people, it's a school group or a church group or whatever, and they kind of band together and they come up with a thousand bucks and they, you know, Kiwanis Club or all sorts of people that have had their names on the some people have given in memoriam. You know, my mother just died and she had, I mean, uh, you know, in, in memoriam, you know, we've got, you know, just talk to us. We, we just want to celebrate the fact that this service is available, raise money for it, have a great time while we're doing it, and inspire people. Right. I mean, I can't think of a better charity that I could be working for than Hope Air,
2: Or something more fun than that, too. Because yeah. it kind of strikes all the all the bases, right? Of
1: Absolutely.
2: what most people want to do with their airplane. Yeah. yeah. Us pilots we're
0: always always looking for somewhere to go, somewhere to fly. We're just looking for an excuse and excuse I think to this go is flying. a pretty good Absolutely. one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. No kidding. You guys have heard of um flight chops, of course. FlightChops.com. chops.com. Yeah. yeah. So Mike, Mike that runs that. He came out for the um this might interest you. Well it, it I'm sure it will. If you haven't seen it already, he came out for the 2017 Copa Convention that was hosted here in Kelowna. Yeah. I, I'm president of the Kelowna Flying Club, so so you know I was quite involved in that. And uh, Ryan Van Haren, the BCGA guy, he said, you know, we had this problem about all these what we call flatlanders wanted to come fly into Kelowna but across the rocks. So how do we get them? So uh, Ryan had the idea, let's, let's just do a video. Let's just sit around the hangar and talk about mountain flying. <clears throat> so, if you go to YouTube, or, or uh, we did a, what turned out to be a 16 minute video. And I had lots of people tell me I learned more from watching that 16 minute video than I did taking a four hour mountain flying course, you know? Because wow. it was myself, Ryan, um, Mike, and a helicopter guy from Vancouver was very funny with the beard and the four of us just talked for 16 minutes about mountain flying and it's on copaagm.com or whatever it is uh okay. 2017 but you should be able to find it on the on, on youtube too but just uh, probably just google google uh copa Kelowna 2017 mountain flying and you'll okay. find it and uh uh, so that was was, uh, but Mike was out. So while he was here, and this was the this was like six months before we took off for, to go around South America. So I had him fly with us, and he did us a three three or four minute video on Give Hope Wings Hope Air, yeah. and that's available too. And you guys might want to just take a a, a few little screenshots, not screenshots, but a few little clips. a few 10 or 15 or 20 second clips from some of these videos we've got great video footage that might work well for you on this to integrate into this. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Dave. My pleasure. I'll really look forward to seeing how this comes out. We're going to
2: try and uh, uh, make sure you guys are very well taken care of when you come through Villeneuve.
1: Well, I can tell that when I hooked up with Eldon, and all of a sudden we started, we know all the same people, I guess we're about the same age, although I'll never admit I'm as old as him. But, uh, I mean, I mean, he just took to grab this and ran with it. He said, we want to oh, look at yeah. this. Oh, yeah. And obviously that's how I got to you, right?
2: You yeah. got the right guy, though. Like, Eldon's oh,
1: wonderful guy. He's a wonderful guy,
0: yeah. Eldon's this, he has this this weird knack about him where he's able to just organize. He knows everybody. If you say you're doing something, he'll like, okay, I got five people I need to get you in touch with. Right. And, yeah. uh, and off he goes. He's he's so good, and he's so well, generous. He's,
1: he's hooked us up with the Elevate group, eh, the women's yeah. group. And, yeah. and he said, oh, they're on fire about this. They want to be involved. They want to help, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. We, uh, wonderful. Well, part of this podcast, we worked with uh, we worked with Elevate to uh, to produce a a uh, um, uh, what do you call it a pilot recurrency training uh, this summer where we streamed oh, yeah. it all on live so people were able to watch it and then actually download it later and still get their recurrency requirements because of Transport Canada. So uh, really? we believe so it was uh, it was really really successful on that one, all, as as successful as the COPA uh, official COPA one. So
1: yeah. So I'll go on their, your uh, Facebook page and and make a friend request. Or is that appropriate? Yeah, or, yeah so, exactly. So.
0: Send send me a friend request, like our page, yeah. et cetera.
1: Yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Dave. Okay, so we'll talk soon and we'll look forward to uh, seeing how this comes out. And as I say, I'll, I'll hook you up, Ryan, with the appropriate person at Hope Air okay. to give you a few video clips and I'll try and send you that one i mentioned that we made locally here yeah
0: okay yeah that'd be that'd be great awesome
2: great thanks have a great night yeah you too